where we discuss every Bare Naked Ladies song from 7 to Y. But that is not all that we talk about, no siree. We discuss our thoughts, our feelings, and most importantly, our dreams. Lock in, this is going to be a long one, folks. No, seriously, this is going to be a long one. We're going we're gonna to expand this to two weeks. This is a big song we're talking about. Speaking of which, Aaron, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I would invest it in securities and live off the interest. <laughs> what an exciting answer thank you <laughs> honestly i'd probably buy a, a tesla something outrageous like and that. then secure securities but i, I would invest a, a decent amount yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we have a special guest going all the way back to our very first guest ever we have blake yes, joining us this week welcome blake hey well i am back i, I can't believe it. it's been a while it has <laughs> Blake, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I'm thinking traveling. I'm definitely mm. traveling. <laughs> I need to go, uh, especially after this year, I need to travel. <laughs> where, would you, where would you go first, Blake? Um, I, seriously, I actually want to take my wife to like Hawaii or like Italy. Mm. or like. De yeah. I definitely want to take my wife there, so definitely those are the top two places on my list. Hawaii sounds nice. Yes, it does, especially yeah. after this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, winter in Hawaii. Oh, that would Ooh. be beautiful. That's not a great idea. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to visit, though, because you probably couldn't afford to live there. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, if you haven't heard this song before, Bare Naked Ladies, which is a Canadian alternative rock band, because I know you don't know who this band yeah. is if you don't Anyone know Anyone watching song. this show clearly doesn't know who BNL are. <laughs> If you don't know the song, what's me. wrong with you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> you must be completely new to BNL if you don't know this song. But if you haven't heard it before, here's a quick snippet off their first album they put it on. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman. Which, Aaron, what album would that be? Well, that would be Gordon, Tracy, and uh, <laughs> much okay, to my wait, embarrassment. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We asked you this yes. question last week. Let's put in a snippet of what you said yeah. last week right here. Yep. That's, that's why I was going to say, it's like, we can't not discuss this song with you, because yeah. yeah. I, I know better. It's got to be an all-star episode. I mean, it's the big one. It's <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Aaron even knows what album this is on already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but even if he didn't, he could roll the dice and get it right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, 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 I got to be honest, I don't know for sure, but I've got a good guess. Okay, wait, what's your guess? I want to know right now. Oh god. Um Stunt. No? I'm not telling you. Oh. I'm not telling you until next week. Okay. I'll well, tell you in Google one week. I'm gonna Google it now. You can't no. <laughs> I already guessed. <laughs> Crap, now I gotta keep this in there oh, for the We totally should have saved this moment for the episode. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> he is no, looking it up. He's I looking it up. He's, he's, he's going to check it out. Yeah, he's like, oh, damn it, it's Gordon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was, it was really the song that made him famous. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known with the craft dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking stunt. I can't believe I can't believe I said that uh, because what did, I, I have to know what was that. I, I think I think I said like stunt, but what? you know I know I know I know in retrospect because the thing is the thing is I have heard like uh, uh, underground demos of this song. I know this song like predates anything they've done, so I have no idea why I pulled stunt out of the mystical uh, cosmic hat when I when I guessed. But no, oh that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I should have known better. Maya culpa, Maya culpa. That's amazing. Oh, it's wonderful that you make a mistake every now and then. Uh, I am You're human. So spot contrary on. to popular opinion, I am human. <laughs> we accept you into our human. I'm, I'm not a robot. <laughs> By the way, I want to say though, this is one of my karaoke songs. This is actually well, one of my. It's <laughs> so interesting that you say that, Blake, because yes. I do believe the first time I ever heard this song was Tracy singing it in a karaoke bar. This is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a setup. Yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might do karaoke every now and then. I miss karaoke. I'm not gonna lie. I miss it. I haven't gone since March. I miss it. <laughs> All right, let's do karaoke right now. This oh no, I'm lord, just... <laughs> I haven't done my warm ups. I, I have no beer. <laughs> yeah, need to be more drunk for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, drinking juice, not, I'm drinking juice, not beer. So, <laughs> so as you mentioned, Darren, this is one of the best known songs by Bare Naked Ladies. Um, as a matter of fact, it is a song that they have done in every single concert except for one in their history of doing concerts, even predating Gordon. Um, as Ed said, that song has kind of taken a life of its own. We played it every single time that we've ever done a live show. We, we have never left it out of a set, except for, I think, we played a fashion show in Germany once where we only did three or four songs, and we figured the German people wouldn't understand what the hell we were singing about anyway, <laughs> so we didn't play it. I think that literally that's the only time that we haven't played the song. If I had a million Deutschmarks. (laughs) Doesn't have the same ring. They weren't on the Euro yet, were they? I'm not sure. Maybe they were. (laughs) And they didn't get bored of it. That's the thing is they don't get bored of doing this song. It's different a little bit for them every single time. And the audience participation really makes them love doing this song. Mm -hmm. That's true. One of the things I want to point out, though, is how is this song... Spell. Most people don't put it out there right. They they write out yes million dollars. That is not how it's it is put on the album. Dollar sign one comma zero 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 comma zero zero zero. Close. Leave the commas out. Funny part is on Wikipedia. There's no commas. There is no commas. Oh really? Oh yeah. no commas. No commas. <laughs> well, they always wear Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of info drop tonight. I'm gonna. This is. I have nine pages of notes, so we're gonna. I'm gonna be talking a lot, so you guys can jump in whenever you want. I have six, okay. so we're good. All right. <laughs> so this song reached number thirteen in Canada and eventually charted in the United States and the United Kingdom, peaking at number thirteen, and on the UK chart and number thirty-seven in the US chart. Now, it's high. The reason. 
Okay, so it was highly requested on the radio stations in Canada <laughs> after the release of Gordon. That's when the management finally decided to release a one-track single of it in December of 1992, after six other songs. So this is their seventh single, and they only released it after people kept asking for it on the radio all the time. They're like, oh yeah, we should probably release that. So because it was famous before it became a single, and because it has no video, it's not considered to be a true, a true single release. Okay. So in 2005, Canada also had a discussion on CBC Radio of what the top 50 essential Canadian songs of all time were. This one came up at number two. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, actually. That's really impressive. What was number one? Number one was Ian and Sylvia's Four Strong Winds, and followed very quickly by Neil Young's Heart of Gold. This song has been used on a lot of different things. So in the early 2000s, it was used on a TV show and radio advertising for the New York Lottery. In 2002, it was featured in an episode of Scrubs called My Fruit Cups. It was also used to feature the, in the end credits of Dave Shelley and Chainsaw's 2006 film, The Trouble with Money. And it was on the featured soundtrack of the 2003 film, My Boss's Daughter. And it has also appeared on an episode of Bait Car as it was appearing, it was playing loudly on the stereo of the stolen car in that show. Okay, then. Whew. I'll throw one in there so you can get your voice back. Um, the Seattle Mariners played it at Alex Rodriguez when he came back as a Texas Ranger, mocking him for his $250 million contract. So I think nice. that's funny. I think that's great. Way to I go, like Mariners. It. It's a good move. Power move. Now, you would think that no one has ever done the song other than them, but you would be wrong. Eminem actually sampled a part of their song. Really? For his song, uh, If I Had. Tired of not being a millionaire, but if I had a million dollars, I'd buy a damn brewery and turn the planet into alcoholics. If I had a magic wand, I'd make the world suck my dick without a condom on while I'm on a john. If I had a million bucks. And it has been parodied by the Brob... I'm, I'm going to have a hard time with this. Brom Dignigan. Brom Dignigan. Brom Dignigan. Ah, Brom Dig. Brom. Brom Dignigan in Bards. Whew. I hate that name. <laughs> As they sing the song, If I Had a Million Ducats. <laughs> Mad Ducats. And it was based on medieval and Renaissance things. If I had a million ducats If I had a million ducats I'd buy you a fur cloak And not a woolen cloak Cause that's cool it itches If out. I had a million ducats If I had a million ducats I'd buy you an exotic pet Like a dragon or a unicorn If I had a million ducats If I had a million ducats I'd buy you a saint's remains And all them crazy lucky saints boys I was gonna say, uh... Brobden Greg was like from Gulliver's Travels, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the fact that Aaron just pronounced that with no problems whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I think I messed it up. I think it's Brobding Nag. Oh, I'm not sure. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the trick is just to be confident and just like. Brobding Nag. 
Brobdingnagian. Brobdingnagian. Now that you've said it, I can say it. <laughs> you got to hear it once. Asphyxiate. <laughs> it is, Brobdingnagian is my asphyxiate. <laughs> now, that is not the only interesting fact about this song. A few years ago, Ben and Jerry's created a flavor called If I Had a Million Flavors. The confection... They pretty much do, don't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is their millionth flavor. Mm. It consists of vanilla and chocolate ice cream, peanut butter cups, chocolate-coated toffee chunks, white chocolate chunks, and chocolate-coated almonds. I really wish I ate makes... before the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in your... Sh- it's it's actually in all of your freezers right now. You go look... I- I, I put it in all of your freezers. Ah. You get a pint, and you get a pint. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the Oprah. The magic of the internet. <laughs> I wish it worked that way. <laughs> yeah, right? Down, download some Ben & Jerry's. It's, it's, it's the uh, Willy Wonka vision. It's like Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor, but Ben & Jerry's, please give us that sweet Woo-hoo. sponsor money. That's right. Please. Literally, the sweet sponsor money. Uh, So that makes them the first Canadian band to have their own flavor of ice cream. And all all royalties from it go to the ABC Canadian Literacy Foundation, which is a Toronto-based organization that promotes reading to children at home. See, Tracy, now I need to write a letter to Ben & Jerry's and ask them to make a flavor called Tragically Chip. Still my favorite Canadian band. Sorry, BNL. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. So, Aaron, when I asked you what album this is off from, you could yes. have given us many answers. Silverball. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I expected. Let me go through all the different versions of this song. Get back and do it. <laughs> I'm not going to put it in a clip for every song because... You would be here all night. There'd be too many, yeah. (laughs) This is already going to be a two-week show. First showed up on the fourth edition of Buck Naked. Now, that version is very basic. And, of course, because it's just Ed and Steve. And it's missing Cregans. It's missing Tyler. It's definitely not finished. This was the one that you listened to earlier this year, Aaron. And as you can know, they skipped the banter. The energy wasn't there. And it was pretty hurried. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't quite as funny yet. It was early. They followed that up by having it on their second their second tape, Bare Naked Lunch. Now I don't know why they left it off their third tape, Bare Naked Recess, but they brought it back for the radio station release called Variety Recordings. It was also on the yellow tape, and then finally got its official release with Gordon. Now, the edited version of the Gordon recording of the song later appears as a bonus track on the UK version of Born on a Pirate Ship. That's pretty close to stunt in my defense. <laughs> it's getting close. Almost there. there. Almost it's getting there. there. It's, it's really working its way forward. Um, and that's the version that was later released as a single. The live version was then featured on Rock Spectac. Then the Gordon version was included on the disc one, All Their Greatest Hits. They have also had this on their Red Rocks Live album, the iTunes original album that they released in studio, the Hello City that was done live in performance in Toronto, and Talk to the Hand, which is a video recording of their show in Michigan. Whew! 
Tracy's going to go back. A lot of versions. Tracy, you're going to go back to the video of this. You're going to see me just putting numbers up as you're going through. (laughs) (laughs) You're a 12. (laughs) 12. All right. There we go. Whew. So, before I start talking about who's in this song, because that that list is going to kill my voice, what do you guys think of the song in general? Honestly, I just think this is a fun song. I think it's just fun. Is it one of those like this is like one of the first B and L songs I've ever heard? I'm not gonna lie, this is one of those first songs. You just know it. It's like, okay, I love this band now because they're having fun, and this is gonna be a lot of fun. I remember having it at the concerts, and I it was always a joke. Like I know I went to a couple. My best friend when I was in Jersey, she used to go to Metallica concerts all the time, and she always used to say, "You can't leave T here and her Sandman." Well, when I took my, my buddies to a Barry Lady show, I told them, we can't leave until we hear if I had a million dollars, because that means that's the end of the show. <laughs> that's That was yep. the rule. Like, you can't leave until you hear it. So, even if it's like the yeah. second encore, like at the Christmas show we went to, it was a second encore. Like, but you can't leave until you hear the song. <laughs> so, that's great. Right. You, you know that if you haven't heard it at the end of the first encore, that there's a yeah. second encore. I thought it was for the Christmas tour. They did, like, did they know it was Christmas for the first encore, and in the second encore, they had a million dollars. Because I remember being at, at a concert on that tour as well and going, they didn't play if I have a million dollars? What? <laughs> no way. What is going on here? Yeah. And then, of course, they came out for a second encore. I'm I, like, remember, oh, okay, I remember going to the Blam <laughs> tour in Wisconsin. I took my wife to that show. And she and I looked at her, I'm like, just wait. They're going to come back out. We're going to do a five million dollar. Not, it's not over yet. <laughs> it's not done yet. Aaron, your thoughts on the song in general? I I can't recall. It must have been in the early 2000s when I first heard this song, believe it or not. Uh, I was not uh, a BNL uh, aficionado <laughs> the way that I am now, having done this show for, what, two, three years now? It must be two years <laughs> at least. I, you know, I was aware of them, but like many people, I probably only knew one week. I think one week was like the only BNL song I knew. But, you know, through my friendship with you, Tracy, and, and for those of you who aren't aware, <laughs> Tracy and I are working on an evergreen movie project that will hopefully be published before we die uh, called Bowling for Alderaan, which is a uh, Michael Moore slash Star Wars crossover. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. I forgot that was still the thing. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I met I met Tracy through my mom, who who worked with him, and uh, we we hit it off right away. We had a very similar sense of humor and uh, interested in the very kind of uh, similar uh, pop culture elements. And uh, you know, Tracy, being a huge BNL fan, started to kind of slowly try and convert me into the BNL cult. I think you know, he was he was pretty subtle at first, but eventually, you know, now I'm part of the show. Um, but yeah, I, I had heard one week. That's about it, I think. And then I, I I don't know if it was you played it for me on like a CD or something, or if we were just out doing karaoke and you you sang it. But I was like, wait, really? That's BNL? Because you know, for me, I just thought they were this like. <laughs> I thought, you know, the, the, of course, like, the Ed rapping thing became a, a bigger part of their sound later on. Um, but even then, even in the later years, that's certainly not all they do, you know. But I just thought they were this kind of quirky band that did, like, ska, pop, rock, <laughs> rap. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's their thing. But obviously, no, you know. So I realized this is almost country-like, you know, and it has this, you know, country kind of feel to it. They have a pretty 
broad base. There's more to this band than meets the ear. And um, it, it kind of was my beginning to opening up to, to give them a chance and just see like how how wide and how, how broad their, their, their kind of uh, uh, collection, their library was. So even if, to me, like regardless of what I end up rating this song, um, it's going to be, it's an important song to me, I think, more than anything. Like I, I like the song. I think Blake summed it up perfectly. Fun is like the best word I would give for this song. It's a fun song. Certainly this is a song that I would, if, if I were trying to show someone to demonstrate uh, kind of the, the breadth of their scope, I would include this in kind of the you know here's the BNL starter pack. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's fun, it's interesting, it's different, um, and it it kind of it kind of has something. It almost like dips a toe in everything that they do, except for maybe the the rap stuff. It, it's like it, it's uh, it's irreverent. There's the nice little vocal <laughs> chit chat back and forth sections, which is you know in a lot of their stuff. Um, it sort of just gives you a glimpse into who they are, their sense of humor, and and how how musical they are, even when they're being silly. You know, yeah. it's 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 a legit, decent, good song. It's solid mm-hmm. musically. It also happens to be funny. The lyrics are witty, and uh, it's just it's just fun. Like Blake said, I, I think fun is probably the word that I would come back to again and again. Yeah, it makes me smile when I listen to it, and uh, yeah, it's certainly. One of the songs that I know you've been looking forward, Tracy, to discuss for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning of the podcast, this is one of those songs that I was like, I, I am so excited to get to this song, even though everyone knows it. I because I have such a fervent love of this song. By the way, I had a thought. I'm a big serious XM person. I listen to it in my car all the time. And there are literally four B&L songs that I ever hear in rotation. It's one week. It's all been done. Pinch me and this song. It's the only four songs I ever hear in rotation on <laughs> Sirius XM. Right. So that's how popular the song is. Not another postcard. <laughs> no, not another postcard. But these are those are literally the four songs I ever hear. Michelle is rolling over her seat. <laughs> I do like that song. But anyway... <laughs> I, I honestly, yeah, I think yeah, that I song do like that song. Is but I, I was, I was, that was me, Tracy. That would be funny if she just popped up and popped up in the Zoom call. Maybe she'll come back. Yeah. Why don't we break this song down? I'm going to start off with the breakdown, though, if I if I may. Please, by all means. All right. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the people that are in this song. And then I'm going to shut up and let Aaron talk because I'm going to probably be out of voice by that point. So, if you pay attention and look at the liner notes, you see a very small selection of who is in this song. Of course, over the years, more and more people have been identified out of this group. But let's go through it. So, we have Ed Robertson playing the acoustic guitar. We got Steve doing the co-lead with Ed. We've got Jim Cregan doing the double bass. We've got Andy Cregan doing the piano and backing vocals as well. We got Tyler on the drums. And then we have Bob Weissman on the accordion. We have Dave Allen on the fiddle. We got Louis Melville on the pedal steel guitar. And then in the chorus, we have the Suburban Tabernacle Choir. Basically, this is all the people that helped them reach the point that they had reached when they hit Gordon. And they were like, let's have everyone that's in the independent rock Toronto music scene join us in this choir. So 
let's go through the list of all those people. Because I would have never thought there are this many people in the in the choir here. They do a really good job with mixing this because this is a huge group. We've got <clears throat> Arlene Bishop, Blair Packham, Chris Brown, who would later come back and play keyboards when on the on the stunt tour when they could not have Kevin. We have Dave Clark, David Matheson, Earl Stokes, Erica Buss, Gene Hardy, Gregor Be Beresford, Janet Morosudu, Jason Mercer, Jason Plum, Gian Gomishi, Joanne Page, Kate Fenner, Keith Nakonekney, Whew, that was a hard one. All right, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm all the way down to the M's. Martin Teeley, Matthew DiMatteo, Matthew Page, Meryl Cadell, Mike Barber, Mike Ford, Moxie Fruvis, Murray F Foster, Nadia Cregan, Natalie Harbert, Sally Lee, Shelly Hines, Stephen Pitkin, Tannis Slimmon, Tem Vesely and veteran warhorse. That was what he was credited at, but that is David Bendini from the Rio Statics and the Waltons. <laughs> wow. Wow. <Okay>, then. <laughs> As I counted, that's somewhere around 25 people wow. in the background. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> no. And, and the name that they gave it, Suburban Tabernacle <laughs> Choir, was a play off a band that was in the area that was led by, I want to say, Chris Brown. And it was called the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir. And so they played around with that name and making this background group. Woo! All right, Aaron, that's what I've got for the <laughs> musical breakdown. Can you take it from there? Well, I sure can, Tracy. Let's, let's break it down. Break it down. <laughs> All right. So if I had a million dollars, or if I had one million dollars, if you want to be uh, literal <laughs> with the title, was recorded at right around 161 to 162 beats per minute. It is in the key of A major. It is a very simple song. I love these uh, really, really easy to break down songs. <laughs> I can just, it allows me to just take a kind of a, a lax kind of attitude and just really... Enjoy the song. Yeah, and you took a break it. this week. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we traded places here. Uh, but yeah, so the A section for the verses and some of the instrumental sections and the chit-chat is uh, it's three chords, very simple, A, E, D. So you have one, five, four, very simple and classic. It's got a bouncy country shuffle kind of feel. Definitely not traditional country. The accordion gives it almost a Zydeco sound. Mm. Uh, but I feel like it wouldn't have seemed too out of place at the Grand Ole Opry, you know, especially back in the day. Um, the B section or chorus section inverts the chord structure. So you have D E A. D E A. So now all I can think of is Hank from Breaking Bad. <laughs> They're minerals, Marie. Uh, then you go to F sharp minor and then back to D, which of course is the perfect force from the tonic, so it turns it around into the verse. No bridge, nothing else, that's it. You have three chords, well, you have four chords with the F sharp minor. You have uh, A, E, D, and then you have D, E, A, F sharp minor, back to D. Very simple. The structure is intro, which is your A changes, that's instrumental. Verse one, which is A. 
your chorus, which is B. The post-chorus slash vocal chit-chat, right, which is uh, the A changes again, A-E-D. And then you have verse 2, and then the chorus, and the post-chorus vocal chit-chat, and then verse 3, and then the chorus. So what we have here is A-A-B, 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 ab-ab-ab, which, interestingly <laughs> enough, well, interesting to me anyway, is my initials three times. So um, there you go. I'm pretty sure this is, like I said, the second song I ever heard from BNL. Uh, so again, it's one of those songs that, to me, I, I think it really was Brian Wilson that really hooked me hmm. when you play Brian Wilson for me, and I was like, wow, okay, this band's got something much more going on than you would just think from what they play on the radio. Um, but I was a little surprised, you know, when I first heard this, to hear the feel, the tone, the instrumentation. They're very different from something like One Week. <laughs> uh, little did I know this broad spectrum is what typified uh, BNL's library, especially in the first couple of decades, which is really weird to say. They've been around for a while now. <laughs> um, it's a fun song. Uh, as, as we established, fun is a great word for it. Mm. Probably on my list to play for people who want to get a feel for what BNL are all about. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for the breakdown. It's very simple, very straightforward. <laughs> uh, just a few chords to it. It's probably if you are like someone who likes BNL and you're learning music and you want something to like a first song to learn to play, this might be a good one because it's pretty straightforward. Even though it's actually, you know, like I said, it's like what 161, 162 beats per minute. Um, the changes are are not like super fast. So yeah, right. the, the song's at a fairly up tempo, but it sounds kind of more laid back because of the way it's played. So I think this would be a fun one to learn if you're looking to learn your first BNL song, and uh, it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of riff. You know, like I, if I were going to cover this in my band, we would do our own, you know, uh, uh, chit chat interludes between them and, and make up our own. Like I said, I would buy a Tesla. You know, that we would, <laughs> we'd include. <laughs> we would include that. You know, I, I would uh, I would uh, sit in the passenger side <laughs> and wave at people <laughs> when I pass them. <laughs> And Don't I do that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I caught the ladies video of, of Becca riding in the Tesla. <laughs> that was the what, most wonderful thing in the world. <laughs> That was, yeah, so for those of you who don't know me personally, I, we recently came back, my fiance and I, from a trip visiting a friend in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, a friend of this friend had a Tesla, and uh, I myself have wanted a Tesla, I've, I've lusted after the Tesla for, for as long as I've known it was a thing, and um, the, you know, I, I guess she had told the, her, our mutual friend that I was a big Tesla fan, and he had asked his friend, can Aaron drive it? And I didn't know this. So they kind of surprised me. They're like, you want to drive it? I was like, you're going to let me drive your Tesla? Like, yeah, sure. So we did it. That was a lot of fun. But uh, even more fun was having Becca sit in the passenger seat <laughs> and use the summon feature in a parking lot. And it just drove itself over to us. And it scared the crap out of uh, some poor random uh, person in the parking lot who just thought that this was like a ghost car or something. It was great. incredible. They were like, what's going on? <laughs> and I heard That's Becca amazing. yell, it's a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually hear it in the video. It is wonderful. Yeah, it was so much fun. That was great. So, yeah, someday I will own one, but uh, not for now. For now. But as you said, Aaron, this is a really super simple song musically. Like, yeah. Which yeah. works for them being able to riff in the middle of it and, and their breaks. And, and it really, I mean, it makes sense because we'll get to the history behind this song. Um, in a few minutes, but it makes sense why it's such a simple song. Um, but at the same time, while the 
music is simple, the lyrics are not. No. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, at service level, they might be. But, right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. If you're paying attention, there's a lot to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. My my lyrics notes are two pages long for a reason. <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right. I'm, I'm super stoked to hear this. Well, I'm going to let you go first, Blake, because I really still need to give my, my voice a break. That's all right. I'll start here with, um, I was doing, I, I did a little bit of math calculations while I was sitting. I, I had a little bit of downtime this week at work. So I, I was doing some, <laughs> did some calculations and like, I, I went back to 1992. I was curious on the numbers here. And um, in 1992, $1 million US is actually like one36 in Canada, back then. So it, the trans, the that's actually what the numbers were then, and actually it was closer to like 1.8 million here if you do the opposite way. So it actually it works out nicely. There's a, there was a lot of a lot more money in Canada than it would be here. Um, nowadays the, the nowadays I did the jump one million now. It would then <laughs> translate to now comes to inflation of 1.852 million dollars right now. So if you do the inflation of '92, so that's that's a good jump, actually. That's actually a really good jump if you look at it from that perspective. So if I had one eight point eight two million, dollars, <laughs> <laughs> that's the same ring to it. If I had one point eight two million dollars, I was almost hoping it hit two million. I was really hoping for that when I did the math. <laughs> it's like ah, damn! I was hoping it'll get there in about two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we'll this whole episode airs, two weeks, then we'll then will be. By the time this whole episode airs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blake, would you mind sharing for people the sentence that Wikipedia wrote oh, yeah, about yes, yes. this song? Because yes. it is an, I wrote it down, and, and you had it, and I, it's an amazing sentence. Yes, we were laughing about this before you came out, Aaron. This is great. Before we came out of the air. Okay, so, according to Wikipedia, this is under structure. I, I laughed so hard when I read this. Um, while hinting at romantic intentions, the lyrics offer eccentric ideas about purchases one would make with a million dollars. Go figure. <laughs> that might just be the most, like, um, exaggerated way of explaining the song ever. <laughs> it's simplified in big words. Yeah. yeah. That sentence is very funny. I also like the protagonist suggests all the things he would buy for his sweetheart where he was a million dollars. Wow. <laughs> Sort of got it right, sort of didn't on that. Like, okay, Wikipedia, stop being so wordy. It's a simpler song than that, but not. Exactly. Go with more depth. Because, so this song starts with really practical things, which I, I like. He's like, he, so he's, as you mentioned, the protagonist is trying to impress the person that he's with, with his partner, saying, if I were a millionaire, I would buy you all these wonderful things. And he starts with the really practical things. I would buy you a house. I'd buy you furniture for your house. I'd buy a Reliant automobile. Now, notice that Stephen chose the word Reliant and not Reliable automobile. It's because he was talking about an actual mm -hmm. K car called the Reliant. Mm -hmm. That was what he would buy it, which it wasn't that big a deal yeah. back then. Wasn't that was a great pun. Yeah. I like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes into some more absurd things <laughs> that he would do to impress her. But he also still wants to show that he's very humble and that it's all for her. So he builds her a tree fort and wants to buy her craft dinner. 
But then he goes into the money thing again. The money gets to his head, and he starts taking a limo to the store and buying Dijon ketchup. <laughs> so it's really, really B&L being very absurdist in a lot of ways. And then we have it going to the last set where they're like, we are going to go outlandish. And here's the part that I love, and I, I made this connection a long time ago, but I don't know if everyone has. The purchases at the end of the song as it goes along and becomes more extravagant, are joke and humor about Michael Jackson. Well, I picked that up on the Elephant Man bones, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the things that he they buy, they say he would buy, are the things that Michael Jackson bought. So we have the Elephant Man bones. We have specifically exotic animals, animals like a llama or an emu. We have the pet monkey, of course, Bubbles. And when I was reaching this, researching this this week, I'm like, holy cow, BNL is smarter than I ever knew. Jackson bought Elizabeth Taylor, his friend, a sparkling emerald green dress that was not made of real emeralds. What? That, that was a real thing? <laughs> oh my god. That was a real thing. I never thing. knew that. That's fantastic. <laughs> 25 years, 30 years I've been listening to this song and just now understood that That's line. That's fantastic. Real fake emerald. That is fantastic. <laughs> Whew. I love the absurdity of it. They're, they're shining a light on, on certain people's absurdity. At the same time, saying that they themselves would be absurd if they were millionaires, but towards someone else. So I would buy you these things, not for me. I would still be humble enough to buy a tree, make a tree for it, and, and buy craft dinner. Uh-huh. Well, okay. So, actually, it's funny. Uh, Tracy, have you ever been to Duck Fat? Not a sponsor. Yes. <laughs> there is a, a very good restaurant in Portland called Duck Fat that makes authentic Belgian frites fried in duck fat, as you might imagine. And they serve, uh, amongst the accoutrements you can get with it, truffle ketchup. And it's delicious. <laughs> and every time I go there, I order the truffle ketchup, and I just think, this must be that fancy Dijon ketchup they're talking That's about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for those in the know, earlier this year, Kraft, in, in finally waking up and going, oh, wait, they talked about this in the juniors. We should really do that. Not only do they make a Stephen Page commercial with many of the little nods to this song, but on top of it for a, a publicity stunt released, I think it was about a thousand bottles, maybe it was less, of Dijon ketchup as a contest. Like you do. Wasn't it actually just regular ketchup with a <laughs> bottle? <laughs> That I don't with know. A tiny bit of spice. That made me so people. sad. I, I believe that is the case, spice. that it was just regular Heinz. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, if they were smart, it would be barbecue sauce or something like go. that. Make it... You made me believe, Heinz. You made me believe. <laughs> How dare you? They're probably the Canadians are gullible. They'll fall for this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, eh? This song is not just a staple of theirs, but also has become really important to the fans. Can you explain to to Aaron a little bit about the the tradition that goes with the BNL concerts? Um, that 
the Rocky Horror. Yeah, there is one, and I had to warn my wife about this because we were in a small theater when we started them in Madison. It wasn't a big theater, so I had to warn her to duck because there were people, and I saw them when we were in line, that had boxes of Kraft dinner that they were throwing at the stage, and I had to make sure I told my wife to duck because we were standing up during this song because <laughs> people legitimately did throw Kraft dinners out. See, all I can think of is like Rocky Horror or like the room where they throw the spoons at this the was like that. Stuff. It was really <laughs> funny. I, 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 because I ne- every concert I've been to, it was kind of something, but because they were in a small theater, it was like at full strength. It was hysterical to watch. I'm surprised no one got hurt. I really am surprised. Now, I'm really surprised that, that they were still doing it by the time that your wife went the to, the, to the show. The Blam Tour. <laughs> yeah, because long before this, they were putting boxes out in front of the auditoriums. Mm-hmm. Because they knew fans were going to do this, and they would donate the the boxes of craft dinner to the local food banks and ask people to please put them in there instead of throwing them on stage because it doesn't feel good to get hit with with uh, hard macaroni. And actually, one time during the stunt tour when Chris Brown was on keyboards, the craft dinner got inside the keyboards. They brought the person up on stage that they that they had seen that was throwing it, showed him the damage that he had done to the keyboards before they ejected him from the car. Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> Which does not sound like a very BNL thing to do. No, like, but wow. The last part. Like the first part, yes. The last part, like, wow, I did not expect the, them to eject someone from the concert. Well, damage the equipment. <laughs> Jeez, wow. Well, that's true. Like, hey, I can't play the songs anymore, guys. <laughs> and this is why they started bringing extra extra equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and also why they decided to play this song last. Exactly. Um, so one of the most important things about this tour, I mean, about this song, is at the end of the song, the band would usually extend the outro to allow Paige to demonstrate his vocal abilities by doing short snippets of other songs. Um, or they would sometimes do the bare naked rap following up on the end of this song. After Paige left, Kevin took over the, the parts that Steven would sing. On the tour, and, and this is one of the great things, on, on the album I was listening to, that the Hello City album, where they were supporting the Maybe You Should Drive tour, the song frequently ends, and that on that album especially, ends with, if I had a million dollars, some son of a bitch would die. <laughs> wow. And the reason they're saying that Damn. is... <laughs> that is an illusion to the Bruce Coburn song, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, ah. which we talked about a few weeks, well, about a couple, a few months ago. So they were still liking to throw their little references in there on that on that tour. Sometimes they would talk about Lee Majors or Don Rickles, or they would do some really extra banter. Um, and this is what they were really known for. Like the, the, every time that they broke down into the banter, it was something absolutely brand new. One of the great things is I saw a interview with Steven behind the vinyl did a interview with Steven. And then they also did another interview with Ed and Tyler where they would play the song on vinyl. And while they're playing it, the band members talk about the song. And one of the things that Ed said when he was talking about the song is 
This is a song that during the recording of Gordon, they recorded a version to two versions of this song every single day that they were in the studio, doing it completely different every day. And then finally at the very end, uh, Michael Philip Voyevoda actually chose his favorite out of all the ones that they had done. And that's what became the quote unquote canon that everyone knew for because of Gordon. But that was constantly changing. The banter constantly changed. Even the leading into the banter, where they would talk about taking a limousine and building a tree fort, those things would even change during during that part of the song when they were doing different versions. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking while you were talking, I remember at the All Natural Tour, it's the tour I always reference when I'm on this show. Um, <laughs> the All Natural Tour, where they, at the beginning of the show, they had their ad-lib stuff. Like they're talking about this legit story and how they needed they needed to get a police escort to get to the building because they were running late and then and there was traffic and they had this whole big rap in the beginning of the show and they referenced it in a half a million dollars. They brought it back and the whole place popped because <laughs> they brought back something from like an hour and a half ago. It was such a great moment. It was so cool. It was a c- comedy act. It's like that. It's like paying off a joke. It, it's really well done. They come to compliment a comedy where it's like, that's the payoff right there. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> And the other thing that they really liked to do was they would sometimes live, they would start the melody of the song, but then they would intricate another song into it. So I believe it's on rock spectacular. You can correct me if I'm wrong that they, they put into the beginning of it, the first lines and like the first whole verse of grade nine. I got a blue and red Adidas bag and a humongous binder. I'm trying my best not to look like a minor niner. When I pull the football team to prove that I'm a man, I guess I shouldn't tell them that I like Duran Duran. This is me in grade nine, baby. This is me in grade nine. This is me in grade nine, baby. This is me in grade nine. And then go into singing, into singing If I Had a Million Dollars. But it's all to the melody of if i had a million dollars it's always creative they always have a way of making it extremely creative and then one time and i really worked hard on this i could not get this because i actually had to purchase it and i didn't have the money to purchase it this week on the river music hall version they do a parody of the kenny rogers gambler to start off this song and then lead into million dollars by the way, you were right. It is grade nine. I'm like, I need to it own It is grade that. nine into a $5 million on Rock Spectac. I just looked it up. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Considering I had 12 versions to get, guess from, that's not a bad yeah, guess. Yeah, there you go. I looked it up to double check. <laughs> not only is it a crowd favorite because it's easy to sing, but people love to hear them do their ad-libbing. And this was the song they always ad-libbed on. That's absolutely true. I was actually thinking... I, I've heard them break into like um, everyday people during this song. They broke it. I forgot the other song they did, but that was one of my favorite ones where he just starts singing everyday people as we're ending the song. <laughs> like, that was random and cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where they would be like at the very end, they would be like, Steve, we're just going to keep vamping. You do you and really show off your voice. And we're just going to keep going. And it was, it was cool when they, when they also later in the tours, took away at the end of this and went into their bare naked rap, which is where they would do all kinds of different versions of other melodies of other people's songs based off from the the notes in the song. 
Because it is a very simple chord structure, as you were mentioning, Aaron. Is it one five four? One four? Yeah, one five four for the uh, verse. Four five one for the chorus. It just reverses. Yeah. Yeah. So all they had to do was find find another one five four song, and then they could just do that with a key change and keep going. And yeah, that's that's what they like to do very often. I've talked a lot about the lyrics. I'm going to leave it to you guys. What do you guys think about the lyrics? It's interesting. There, there's a few. I mean, obviously, there's a universal theme of something which would seem to be unrequited love. You know, someone's trying to uh, impress upon someone else. I would do all these things for you. I would buy you all these things. Um, so it, it's kind of funny to me that it's like an inversion of the Beatles can't buy me love. They're trying to buy like someone's love. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny, Aaron. We are on the same wavelength. I wrote down the same thing this week. <laughs> that's great. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there, I, I did pick up on you know, yeah, like you said, bubbles and uh, Joseph Merrick's uh, remains. There's definitely some Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Michael Jackson, uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan. Wow. Uh, Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan just Michael. First of all, Michael Jordan, we know you listen. Please come on the show. I want to be on that show. Repeat, repeat. Uh, I, I think the reason I just got finished watching the last dance. So Fair I enough. Fair enough. Great documentaries. <laughs> Fantastic. Good stuff. Uh, but no, yeah. And Michael, Michael Jordan Michael and Michael Jackson, Jackson are very similar. <laughs> no, <really. laughs> I, I know. I had a joke, but you can edit it out. So never mind. I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I did pick up on them all the Michael Jackson stuff with you know Bubbles the monkey and uh, or the chimpanzee I think really, and uh, Joseph Merrick's remains. Um, you know, it, like so many things, I, we could go into potential interpretations of what else might be being said underneath this, and I'm very excited to hear your interpretation, Tracy, as well as yours, Blake. But yeah, for me, uh, you know. I, I, I do I, mostly for me. It's just this kind of weird diversion of the typical kind of you know. Normally, you hear love is beyond all of these things, but there is it's simultaneously corrupt in that someone's <laughs> trying to literally buy someone's love, but also kind of pure and wholesome, where they're like, "I would do anything for you. I love you so much." Um, and then building a treehouse together and stuff like that. So there's there's some stuff in there that's like genuinely kind of sweet seeming. Uh, but then it goes, it verges off into the ridiculous. Like, yeah, we'll put a mini fridge in the treehouse and put prepackaged sausages in there. So I Steven will say, actually responded to that when okay, he was well, talking about um, behind the vinyl. Yeah. He's like, because we would just riff and we would come yeah. up with whatever came across our minds, <laughs> he meant to say individually wrapped sausages right, and bacon. But it's just it funny. came out pre-wrapped. He's like, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> we were just talking so fast, it just came out. And now it's a part of what everyone always says. Well, A, there is such a thing as pre-wrapped bacon now. Yes. There's the uh, microwavable, uh, fully cooked bacon you can buy in the grocery store. And I bought this for my dad one year. He's not like really legit a prepper, but he's kind of like, he, he's into that kind of thing. The survival thing. So I bought him tactical bacon in a can. It's like fully cooked, and you just like open the can, and you can un you can eat it right out of the can. So um, I've never yeah, heard of that. This exists now because so of PNL. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I'm I'm gonna say they're gonna take the credit. They should. Yeah. Uh, it's a better world for it. But uh, no, I mean you know it. <laughs> it's a fun song. It, there's a lot of interesting uh, little little quirkiness to it, but. Um, my favorite line has to be, but not a real green dress, that's cruel. 
which, correct me if I'm wrong, Tracy, I'm sure you know the full story about this. I heard, apocryphally, that this was Stephen Page in the studio had gotten the lyrics confused and pulled, like, a Yogi Berra and did, like, a malapropism. And he's like, he couldn't remember, the only thing he remember was not a real fur coat that's cruel. So he said, not a real green dress that's cruel. And they liked it so much they kept it in. Is that right. accurate? That is absolutely accurate. <laughs> That, I love it. Which is how this song really was created. It was piecemeal put together. And if you listen to Buck Naked, if you listen to Re- Bare Naked Lunch, if you listen to Yellow Tape, there are changes along the way where you can see the genesis of it slowly becoming and metamorphosizing into what we know it is on Gordon. It's really fun to watch that and listen to it. Um, it is the fun things about listening to the demo tapes is in the in the tapes before the Gordon is hearing some of those songs have their metamorphosis into what we know they become. Um, and, and this is one of those songs where, yeah, it definitely becomes something better. Blake, I know you know a ton about B&L. Do you know the origins of this, this song? song? I do not know the origins, actually. I do not. So, so why don't we talk a little bit about the origins because it's one of my favorite stories by bare naked ladies this has a a very special part in in bnl history so this was the first song that they ever wrote together the way that that ed tells the story and kevin retells the story that ed told him and it's actually one of kevin's favorite stories is that and this was you can find this on the Strombo before and after the Juno Awards, the concert they did with the Strombo in his home. Ed worked as a day camp counselor, as we know from previous discussions, at the same place that Stephen worked at, which is where they met each other for the like millionth time at that point, and where they really connected. Ed would ride the bus home to and from the camp with the kids and with his guitar, and to keep them busy, because you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have video games or any of that stuff back then, bus rides were boring, he would keep them entertained by playing a song. Which is why this is a really simple song, because it's what you can play while you're riding on the bus and not too much bumping around. He just started playing this game with them called If I Had a Million Dollars. And it really was just to kind of keep the kids occupied, and it if it was a long bus ride, what he would do is he would make up stuff that happened during the day at camp. So he would sing something along the lines of, if I had a million dollars, and then they would respond, and it would, they would then say, I would buy you a hat because you dropped yours in the outhouse today. And it was a song that would sum up the camp day. And that he liked it so much that when he got back to camp, he's like, hey, Steve, I, I wrote this song today, and it was really fun. And they started just riffing off each other. And that's when it really started growing from there. That's the origins of this song. Nice. I like that. Actually. It's very it's very wholesome. Like, like we were saying out this song kind of is at times, you know? Yeah. And, and I like that the first time that Ed sang it, like we hear in this song, like it feels like when we listen to this song, Stephen just started responding to whatever Ed was throwing out there. And it is a call and answer type song where Ed says something, Stephen replies, like the kids would on the bus. And then Ed throws out a line and Stephen's like, I can one up on that. That makes sense. And and that call and response has made this a fan favorite. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's an extremely fun song. It is a song that every time it comes on, 
my iPod, I listen to it, no matter what version it is. And I will sing along with it, and sometimes I'll do the harmonies, sometimes I'll do the melody. It is just a fantastic song to just try and play around with. Exactly. It's very bouncy, too. You can't help, you can't stay in, the, you can't stay, like, in one place when this song is on. You can't not be in a good mood when this song is on. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. I know, I came on, it came on, it was on one of, the, one of my mixes on my car, and my son was in the car. Heard it for the first time, I was like, what is this song? And he just didn't know the lyrics. He's like, that's funny. I don't get what's going on, but that's funny. <laughs> and my kids were picking up on it. They're like, why did he say not a real green room? What is he talking about? <laughs> and I had to, he didn't understand the humor of it at the time. And I had to explain the joke. And then afterwards he's like, that's funny. Yeah, I, I, like, it's one of those songs you appreciate more as you get older, even though it's ridiculous. There is a trouble with Tracy with this song. This what week. is the trouble with Tracy, Tracy? What's the trouble with Tracy? He's got problems with this song. What's the Trouble with Tracy. The items in the song would no longer be affordable. Uh huh. If you if you got a million dollars. Well, actually. Now, actually, Tracy. Actually, you're. It, it depends because there are various prices on each item. But in the Canadian dollar, it would not be. So there you go. <laughs> yes, that is true. And actually, even in the American dollar, I. So this is how I broke it, broke it down. Because I had a little bit of extra time on my hands in the last two weeks while I was putting this all together. Let's walk through it. Go for it. I'll, I'll get my notes and we'll compare. Go for it. <laughs> all right. So the first thing that he would buy is a house. Mm -hmm. Now, it's hard to tell, but in Toronto, Stephen said that most likely it would cost an entire million dollars. He's not quite accurate. The average for a home in Toronto is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Okay, that's higher than I got. So there you go. So already we're almost spent. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. What did you? I, actually, I'm I'm closer to three hundred thousand dollars. Is that low end? More low end? I was looking at low end numbers to see if I can keep low, it at low end. end. So like that's what I was doing, okay. and it still didn't work on the Canadian side. It still didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Even on the low, on the low end. end. So then we have the insides of the mm -hmm. house. Buying furniture for your house, the rule is it's about 10% the cost of your home. That's about how much you're going to spend on furniture. So going by my estimate, that would be 75000 Going by yours, it would end up being $30,000. Right. Mm -hmm. Back to the furniture for a second. I did look at the prices for the actual items mentioned in the song, by the way. The Chester Pro Sofa, currently at Pottery Barn, is $3,599. Like, right now. Yes, you can it buy is. It right now. <laughs> and an ottoman is average about three fifty. We know that because we just bought one. Yep. So that's... <laughs> we just bought so, one. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, the K-Car was a key automobile design from Chrysler, as I was mentioning earlier. Mm -hmm. It was one of the stark departures. You have to go specifically with the Plymouth Reliant because he mentions the Plymouth Reliant in the song. Mm -hmm. There are, as of 2012, only 30,000 Plymouth Reliants left available for buying, which makes it worth a whole $3,500. Oh, wow. Yours is lower than mine. I had mine at $69.95. What is this? The prices, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, funny, I, I looked up, I was looking at the cars, and I'm like, wait a minute, I saw two of these at a car show recently. There's a car show that goes on during the summer at the McDonald's down through from my house that my son likes going to, and I saw two of these there one time. So, like, okay, there you go. <laughs> 
So now we're on to the tree fort. And as a person who built a tree fort for his kids last summer, that costs about $1,000 if you're building it yourself, which they mentioned in the song they are. Okay. So that's about $1,000 in material alone. Fair enough. <laughs> Plus zoning permits. Which I didn't even think of zoning now, permits. <laughs> next thing he mentions are the mini fridges. Those go for about $85 to $100. Right, that's about right, yes. <laughs> but... That thing's got to be plugged in. We need at least a $50 of extension cords to get that out there and keep that thing running. And it, really, if you're doing it right, because my dad's an electrician, you really should be setting a permanent station out there where it's all set up. But that's going to cost some more money. Unless you're Phineas and Ferb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're on to the real fur coats. Real fur coats are cheaper than faux fur coats. I did not realize that until I looked this up, by the way. That is wow, so true. That's surprising to me. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's actually kind of sad that, that faux fur. Well, I'm fur... sure it depends on what fur, right? Yes. But still, it's but weird. Mo the faux fur coats that I looked up because I was going for a low bid. Because I was like, we're What if it was really made? Low. What if you shaved bubbles? And made the coat. <laughs> a small coat. That is a small coat. Too. Not a real fur coat. That's cruel. That's cruel. <laughs> Especially if it's bubbles. Although that would be really cheap at that point because you know you got the llama, you got the emu, you got bubbles. Like the you got the materials We're right there. Into one ridiculous coat here. <laughs> <laughs> I want that coat. But only a, a faux fur coat. So that would cost about $100 at Macy's, according to what I you researched. You looked at the same price I did. Because I, I actually did <laughs> the same price. Because it said regular price 400 and then But, but as, of, as of sale, at $87.96. I mean, it's the exact same price. <laughs> <laughs> Emus, by the way, make the best pets when they are young. So don't go out and buy an adult unless you already have worked with an individual. But emus are very dangerous if you don't understand them. So you got to buy them when they're really young. So it is for a three-month-old chick, it's about $300 per chick. For an 18-month-old to two-year-old emu, it is $800 yep. per emu. Yep, yep. I got to say, by the way, I did look up the, um, the, uh, I did look up the um, llamas, by the way, as well. Llamas. Llamas. Okay, yes, and I actually had that somewhere else. Go ahead. They actually are found. I found the price. It could range anywhere from fifteen hundred to five thousand dollars for a llama, which is ridiculous. Yep. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> don't start opening a llama farm. They are expensive. So now we're on to John Merrick's remains. Anyone want to spitball what they think this is going to cost? I have numbers, but it's, Aaron, Aaron, what do you think? I want to hear. <laughs> price is right. Rules. Go ahead. Oh, for John Merrick's, Joseph Merrick's remains. Uh... <laughs> Either one. Pay some respect. He was a real person. Uh, $250,000. You were not close. Oh, what number do you have, Casey? More or have? less? I have more. More. I mean, it's a it's an individual. It's a unique thing. Only one person could ever possess it. It's only one of them. $3 million. No, it's not. I that. have 350000 So what do you have, Trace? Yeah, it's three hundred. Oh, it's two hundred fifty thousand is close. You said it wasn't close. <laughs> no, you think price is <laughs> right rules? Okay. You think price is right rules? He was fine. A hundred thousand dollars to me is a huge amount. <laughs> yeah. But you think price is right rules, Aaron? Like... You were fine. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> 
<laughs> so now we're on to the limousine. Okay. But did they rent it or did they buy it? That's a good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. The lowball estimate is if you're going to rent it, it's $255 to rent a limousine to go to the store and back. Wow, you did your homework. Well, the, the, my whole question here, though, I, I was looking at limo prices, and there was nothing for, like, less than six people, which is weird. <laughs> I couldn't even think of less than six people, because for six, pe- six to ten people, it's 95 to $145 an hour. So, like, <laughs> what, wow. what is it for, like, and that's, I don't remember spending that much, by the way, for my prom limo. I just want to note that, but that was also, in, no. also like, in 1999, so that must have something to do with it, but still... <laughs> That's a lot of money. But you know what? He's talking about going to go to going to the store often to buy craft dinner. Like this is not a one-time so, thing. He's going to rent the limo every time. Exactly. So I think he's buying the limo. A, a new limo costs ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> but it's worth it if you're going to use it. It's worth it if you're going to use it. That's right. Yeah, so. But that brings us to the next item. Which is, yes, he would definitely have to eat craft dinner. Of course. Like, at this point, like, we'll get to the number, the additions in a few minutes, but at this point, you better be eating craft dinner because you've already expended a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Well, he's humble. He's got to. So that's about 90 cents a box. <laughs> yes, very nice. <laughs> now we're on to the green dress. Okay, go for it. So a green dress is about $80. Fair enough. <laughs> at Macy's. Easy enough. Love- Macy's, we want you as a sponsor. I love how we both me. went to Macy's, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> well, you know, Sears and Jason Penny are pretty much true. Come on down true. to Macy's Green Dress Emporium. <laughs> no, Dress Emporium is a different Whole different thing. Whole different thing. Keeping monkeys as pets are frowned yeah. upon. By the way. It's the- very difficult. It's very costly and Honestly, it's cruel and dangerous. Uh, by the way, I want to make a note. I said monkey. You guys went bubbles. I, I'm a big Friends fan, so my first went to uh, Marcel. So I just want to note that. I have a picture of Marcel in my notes. Spider monkey! I have a picture of Marcel in my notes. So continue. <laughs> nice. So, the least expensive monkeys are lemurs, tamarins, and marmosets. They're around 1500 to 2500 now, rhesus macaques and baboons cost around $3,500. And spider monkeys cost around $6,000 each. Now, notice I said monkeys, not chimpanzees. Right. They're right. That's a different thing. So we're not talking about another postcard. Um, I do want to make a note. I think you skipped the art. Oh, that's yes, right. You yes, you skipped the art. Thank you. All right. So we have two options Yes. <laughs> I know. This is interesting. So for the most expensive... We have Pablo Picasso. And the most expensive Pablo Picasso painting out there is Woman of Algiers. This went for, in 1955, the last time it was bought, $179.36 million. We are way outside of our price range. I did, though. I found the cheapest painting that had ever gone in an auction at $174,882. Okay, so we got to go for the cheap Pablo Picasso. Yes, we've got the cheap route. It's still Picasso. So there but you go. cheaper still, we have another option. Yes, we could, we could, we could buy Art Garfunkel for an appearance, okay. and he goes for about seventy-five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an wow. appearance. <laughs> so I think there that's our cheapest option at this point. Yeah, I believe so too. That brings me to love. <laughs> you can't buy me love. <laughs> so I don't know what he's gonna do there. But I, you know what? I really want a picture of either 
the the monkey emu and and llama fur coat, or I want a picture of the monkey riding the emu. That would be amazing. I we need a Photoshop of a monkey riding a le- of an emu. There's the there's your TikTok for this show. <laughs> well, I was gonna say at least they said an emu and not a cassowary. I don't know if you guys are aware of these things. Those birds have attacked human beings. They are vicious. <laughs> No, wait, what's a cassowary? A uh, cassowary is, I think it's like a South African bird. No, no, sorry, New Guinea. New Guinea in Australia, that area. Um, they're huge birds. You might mistake them for emus if you didn't know. They're almost like, think about giant oversized turkeys. It's the kind of thing, if you ask me, when they talk about dinosaurs evolving into birds, this is basically the modern day velociraptor. They are oh. super vicious they're huge, and they, they attack people. Don't, where are they again? Uh, I think like uh, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, Another Australia. Reason. I'm never going to Indonesia. Yep. <laughs> In Austra- Australia has like the deadliest species of all the animals on land, all the animals <laughs> in the sea, and it's approximately 10 feet away from the surface of the sun. Like Literally everything is trying to kill you in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they made it a prison colony. We love you, Australia. <laughs> Come on our show. Hey, I was in Australia. We know you listen. Please come on the show. Our guest today, the country of Australia. The whole country. country slash continent. The whole country. There you go. I didn't bring in your numbers that you gave me that were some I I... slight variations. I'm sure someone's going to give me those numbers down the road. But I had numbers. on the cheap end with the numbers I had, it would cost $1.35 million okay. approximately. Meaning, at America, on American dollars, we are out of our money. Well, is that in today's dollars, Tracy? Because that is as in you know, dollars. Yes. if I had one point eight two million dollars, <laughs> see, I, I actually okay, so, yeah, but, but we're, we're all, technically still covered. Okay, so you, yeah, okay, you're giving for inflation. I, I was just going with like if I won a million dollars, right? And when I, I actually will go with the when this when this song came out. I will say something <laughs> though. Right now, if if with the low end. Of numbers, I actually calculated it under eight hundred thousand. But when you jump to Canadian dollars, it's one point one point zero one seven. So it's over the million in Canadian oh. dollars right now. So just barely, but it's still over. As seventeen thousand dollars is still a lot of money. So like, <laughs> now, despite what Aaron might say earlier, expensive end. Yes, <laughs> since he seems to want to really go high end here. Right. The most expensive end of this, it would cost $180 million to buy these things in American money. That's ridiculous. So, well, they could do it now. The trouble with Tracy is that we couldn't afford with a million dollars to buy this stuff. This is the longest trouble with Tracy ever. Well, yeah, I forgot we were doing that. Well, Tracy, do you suppose the protagonist of the song is is proposing to buy all of these things or maybe just throwing out examples of something that he would do as a gesture of, of that's uh, a good question actually i think what this song is is that he starts because he starts off very very um a house and furniture yeah very yeah, grounded very practical i think he's like trying to impress her he's like i'd buy you this i'd buy you that oh that's not impressing you um i'd buy you this and he's just building on this constantly where, where he finally gets to the point where he's like, I'm going to buy you some really outlandish stuff. It really is outlandish by the end. It really does get a little out of hand. <laughs> and then he runs out of outlandish stuff. So he's in, then he's like, well, I'll buy you a green dress. 
<laughs> but not a real green dress. <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> so stupid. I love that line so much. That's great. Yeah, I don't know. Did you take it as he would buy some of these things or that he would buy all of these things? I would look at it with an example of what he could buy. So... <laughs> Not literally buying every item here. <laughs> Even though it's more fun that way. It really is more fun, but still. <laughs> I'm going to save our appearances for for when I talk with the other gentlemen next week. But I can't leave without knowing what you guys think of this song. Now, we don't have the rating system because we don't, because Jeff gives us our rating system and he's not with us this week. But. Whatever he gives us for a rating system, obviously it's not dollars. Maybe it's million dollars. I don't know. Canadian dollars. Canadian million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely worth more than American right now. So, yes. (laughs) Everything is worth more than Americans right now. Especially right now. Whatever whatever it comes down to, I want to know what you guys, zero to five, will rate this song. I get the feeling that we're going to get some low numbers to start. So, I'm going to hand it over to start with Aaron. Ooh. <laughs> well, it's not going to be that low, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of tip my hand a little. This is not like one of my all-time favorites. That being said, it does have, like I said, a kind of a special place in my heart due to kind of being the first introduction to the wider pantheon of, uh, of B&L. Um, like I said, it's a fun song. It's not my favorite. Uh, I hope I won't be booed out of the stadium because I'm definitely not <laughs> hating on it. Uh, but we'll see how my rating compares to the rest of you. Uh, I first looked to the mid fours, you know, because it's definitely a, a strong contender. It's a good song. It's a solid song. Um, and I always try and compare it to some other songs I've rated in the past. Now, I have Alternative Girlfriend at 4.5. Uh, I don't like if I had a million dollars as much as Alternative Girlfriend. I love that song. So where do I put it? You know, and I looked at Bank Job. I love Bank Job. Uh, but I still think this would be a little higher. So somewhere, I had 4.2 for bank jobs. So somewhere between 4.2 and 4.5. I keep going back and forth. I looked at, uh, I gave Fun and Games a 4.4. That one is so quirky and fun and eccentric and out there. I have to put this just a little lower. Would you believe I have never rated a song in my tenure thus far a 4.3? So I do believe... I'm going to award, if I had a million dollars, 4.3 Canadian dollars out of five. <laughs> Blake, All what right. do you think of this song? I, I, I'm not going to sit there and name every single show I've been on. I've been, I've been on the show a lot. But I know. <laughs> the only song I've ever not given as many a five Aaron, to. but out there. You're yeah, out there. I, I, this is like my sixth or seventh appearance on the show. So, like, I know the only song I've ever given a five to on this show is Break Your Heart. That I know for a fact. I was thinking about this when we came on. I'm like, is this up there for me? And maybe I'm biased. And maybe because this is one of my karaoke anthems. And maybe because it is a song I love (laughs) so much. And it's going to completely lopsided the numbers. But I will have to give a hundred five for me. And five Canadian dollars or whatever whatever Jeff says it is. And I'm going to have to say it because this is literally one of my all-time favorite songs. Not just Burning Ladies. So... (laughs) All right. So I have to say for me, um, as you can see, I wrote nothing down for the ratings. I did so much research this week. Like, I wrote nothing down for ratings. I just put the name um, to remind me to get to this part. So this was a super hard song for me. um, To the point that I had actually, like, a whole 
range of numbers to give out tonight. Uh, because if everyone else gave out fives, I was not going to be the person that, that like made that not a five song. Because when it comes down to it, honestly, this belongs on the island playlist. If if there was a BNL song, like if, if people told me I only had ten songs of all time from BNL that and all the other ones would be erased, this would actually have to be on my BNL ten list. Is it one of their best songs ever written? No. But I couldn't live without this song. Like it is a fundamental piece of who I am, and it's a fundamental piece, I think, of who most people who listen to Bare Naked Ladies are. And it is a fundamental piece of who the band is in that they've played it for every single concert they've ever done. It is one of the songs that when I listened to Gordon, my first album with them, that it made me fall in love with B&L. This song, Hello City, Crazy, like those songs like really, and and Brian Wilson cemented me loving B&L. This song with its quirkiness and its humor and its subversiveness really hit home and made me laugh out loud literally when I listened to this song the first time and many times since. Is it as funny now? No. In concert though, I loved it when Steven and Ed would just start riffing off each other in the middle of in this middle of the song. It's not as fun anymore without without Steven, to be honest. This song, I, I won't say it needs to be retired, but it's not as fun without Steven. It really, it had a special quality of Steven and Ed. I don't think I've ever heard Steven play this song alone. All right, so this is a long-winded way because I don't know what to give this song. So you'll find out next it's, week. <laughs> <laughs> Same bat time. No, sorry. Uh, no, I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna agree with you, Aaron, on this one. I'm gonna give it a four point three because, yeah, it's not the best song in the world. Once again, it is a song that I will absolutely go down. It is a show, song I will every time someone says, "Hey, what's BNL?" This is one of the songs that I will play for them to define BNL. So I, it's definitely in the fours. I can't say it's as good as Brian Wilson in terms of musicality. It's it's much more simple. But this one really does hold a near and dear place in my heart and always will. And emotionally, I want to say five, but I just at the same time can't critically say five because it's uh, because of the simplicity of the song. Fair enough. I, I, I'm curious to see if next week you say what's the name number. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to change by next week. I'm going to be a, totally different with it next week. Yeah, on the fun show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one without those boring people. I know. Hour and a half okay, later, I had I'm gonna I, still be there. <laughs> An hour and a half later, I had to bring that back up. <laughs> I had to find some way of defining the difference oh, of like we're just, not dropping all this info next week. We're just ribbing you, man. <laughs> we had to, I had to bring Anything, it up. Again. It's gonna be more boring because I'm. Or this week's more boring because of all the info I had to drop this week. <laughs> yeah, between you and Holy me, we cow. had like 13 pages of notes. <laughs> yeah, I hate being boring about it, but at the same time, like this is such a fundamental song. Like it deserves all the story that goes behind it and all the facts that go behind it. And that's why you had me and Aaron here to make jokes around you. Yes, because <laughs> I am not funny. 
I'm gonna give a give the the next song next week. Fair enough. Um, no, it really it was a a great time having you this week. So I want to, of course, highlight all the stuff that you do. Blake, can you tell people where to find more of you? All right. Well, uh, despite what you may have heard of past appearances, I only have two active podcasts right now. Blame the pandemic for that. I had other plans this year. But so the two shows I do have active. First of all, D5, The Mighty Ducks, the show where I break down The Mighty Ducks through five minutes at a time. Season two is over, ended about a month ago, and um, we actually did the entire movie, and then we actually did a special presentation from Movies by Minute at Home, the, the con I was at, so we did a special show on there as well, so that's up there. Um, then the Blake House Show, that is my weekly show every single Friday. We have not missed a week this year, I am very happy to say that. We have not missed a week this entire pandemic, we have not missed a single week. Wow. Um, so every single Friday at 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, on every single possible podcast platform you could find, we have now just got added to Amazon. So that's like, we're everywhere. It's awesome. And one other thing, Tracy, you don't even know. We were nominated for a comedy award. And uh, we were actually nominated for the podcast award for comedy. And we're waiting to find out if we won. We're waiting. So I think on the show. When do you find that out? About, um, I think uh, people hear this, it's about two weeks. Two weeks. Very soon. Very, very, very soon. So uh, I think it's like about the 8th of uh, About one week. There you go. I think it's the 8th <laughs> of October. That's when the awards are. So uh, we'll find out that night in the following show. If we win, I have a whole leg pl- opening planned. So <laughs> I'm really hoping nice. we win. So, yeah. So that's all. It's the You can also find on that website all my information, social media, everything we do, and all my guest appearances, including all the appearances on this show. So that's all there. And also on there is also our IMDB page, which I just like promoting that because we're I have an IMDB page now. Because I had a lot of time in my hands during this pandemic. So I made an IMDB page for the Blake Style Show. <laughs> nice. So, so there you go. Tracy, back to you. Now, you guys changed networks too, right? Yeah, we're on our own now. We are on our own. So it's fun. It's nice to be back on our own again. There, there was some drama. There was some drama from the last time <laughs> I was on this show. There was a lot of drama. Behind the scenes, I'm not going to get into details here because I don't talk to the guy I had drama with anymore, and and yeah, things happen. <laughs> Some things happen, and we have drama issues. And but at you, the end of last when year, when you're on your own now, yeah, at the end of last year, we went on our own again. We pay for our own service. We do everything on our own, and we. It's funny. I was looking at some stuff because we started doing Zoom like this for our shows, and every week, if you follow us on Instagram, every single week. You get to see a graphic from our Zoom call. Sometimes I put videos from our Zoom call up. Like it's stuff. I've put a lot of fun stuff up there. We this year we did like game shows to fill some time. Like we did a Jeopardy nice. game. We did Family Feud. We did like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. We did a whole bunch of fun <laughs> stuff. So like we've had a, a lot of fun this year because we had a lot of time to do it. <laughs> despite the fact I work at a hospital, so like despite that. I still had a lot of time to put some fun stuff together. Still had a ton of time. Somehow. Yeah, still, it helps that when your co-host works from home. It kind of helps. That's true. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. So, yes, go out, search all that stuff out, listen to all of it, listen to all the old stuff that you've done as well, the stuff that's archived. Um, all of that stuff is, is really enjoyable. Um, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me here. This is a lot of fun. This was a yeah, real it's lot of fun. Yeah, good talking with you, Blake. Yeah, I, 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 it's been a while since the three of us were together. It really has yeah. been a while. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe. Next week actually is in the car. 
<laughs> not, we're not going to do the episode in the car, but it is in the car. <laughs> Although that would be funny. We should all just do our Zooms from in the car. That's next week's show. We're going to all Zoom from the car while we're driving. We'll see how well we do. How many accidents will we have? Maybe you should drive. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.